0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. This is our segment, Political Gold, with Josh Silver. Josh is the executive chairman of Represent Us, the Northampton-based national organization. Josh, I would really love to hear your perspective on what is happening with regard to Trump and Trumpism, and in particular, whether the January 6th committee with this constant, I was going to say drip, 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 but it's more like a rush of bad news and... Uh, information regarding trump's attempt to sabotage democracy on january 6th whether that is in fact now having a significant effect on trump whether it is likely to result in his not being a candidate in 2024 and whether his position in the republican party is now seriously being challenged josh i would appreciate your perspective
2: Good
3: questions, all Bill. Yeah. So first of all, there's a confluence of of bad uh, dynamics playing out for Trump right now. First to get it out of the way. Yeah, of course, Trump's going to run. Any any question about whether or not Trump will or will not run for president, that was ended when his legal jeopardy uh, increased in Georgia. Um, and, and New York State and his, you know, those those exposures legally are only remedied uh, um, surely by becoming president and be or at least being being a candidate, and then being able to spin all investigations of him as a political attack because he's running for president. So Donald Trump is going to announce for president is his run for president. The only question that lurks is whether it's going to be after the midterms, which is both Critical for the Republicans that he wait because they don't want the midterm elections to be a Referendum on Trump. They want it to be about the candidates and secondly because there are practical campaign finance reporting Implications that make it a major pain in the butt if you announce you're running before the midterms vis-a-vis reporting uh, the the problem though that exists for team Trump is a a Republicans are increasingly showing to be um, they have Trump fatigue. So while Trump while Republicans are in their news bubble, they're watching OAN news and Newsmax and Fox and they they think that the, the the January 6th commission's a sham. Polling does show consistently that Republicans are tired of this. They're tired of more, you know, daily revelations about Trump this, Trump that, and they're just kind of getting sick of it, believe it or not. And then the real kicker, Bill, is here you have Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida, is a much, we've talked about this on the show, a much more sophisticated, much more intelligent, um, this is an authoritarian Republican, hard right uh, Republican of of the same sort of mold of Trump, and and he came up because of Trump, effectively. Um, But he also doesn't make unforced errors. Ron DeSantis is now showing incredible strength against trump amongst likely republican voters for the general uh, or for the primary republican primary so for example um a new poll come out that just came out in michigan by detroit news shows that trump is only up 45 to 42 against ron desantis in michigan um, in new hampshire uh we saw a a, a poll just recently a couple weeks ago that uh just DeSantis has a two-point lead against Donald Trump in the state of New Hampshire. So this is a big deal, guys, because Trump sees this. He's keenly aware that DeSantis is nipping at his heels, that the commission is going to uh, have a prime time uh, sort of final salvo of this first round of January 6th commission hearings tonight. It's once again produced by a former ABC News director who knows how to do TV, which is why these commission hearings have been far more effective than anything the Democrats have done in the last, say, 50 years in terms of communications. And um, and Trump sees this all kind of closing in on him. And there is a lot of incentive practically for Trump to announce his, his candidacy sooner than later and try to clear the field and see if he can brush Ron DeSantis aside
4: before the race starts.
1: So spend another minute with us talking about Ron DeSantis. He is the Republican governor of Florida. He just eked out a victory in that gubernatorial election over his Democratic opponent. He won probably because of Trump's backing. So Trump, when he says, I created Ron DeSantis, is actually telling the truth about that. And DeSantis has been described, as you point out in slightly uh, more eloquent ways, he's been described as Trump with a brain. So making Ron DeSantis uh, a more dangerous Trump. And I'm wondering whether or not you think that he really would not step aside for Trump and enter into a primary battle with Trump, which he, if he does, he might well win.
3: No, I mean, all in, all indicators are that he is gunning for the presidency. He has not been uh, playing nice with with trump over the last 12 months he has not kissed the ring and i mean this is a guy who when he ran for when ron desantis ran for governor of florida in 2018 his his first campaign advertisement showed him building a tall a toy wall with his with his young kids his own kids and teaching them to say make america great again like that is like how he started his campaign he's not he's not dumb as we've talked about he was born in jacksonville florida he, he went to Yale University. Um, he has a law degree. I mean, this is a guy who is like a, a smart authoritarian, more more sort of along the lines of like a Vladimir Putin, like or an Erdogan from, from Turkey. Like the, the more successful authoritarian, ruthless authoritarians around the world generally tend to be smarter than Donald Trump and tend to make fewer unforced errors. So I would be greatly surprised if we don't see a pretty ugly primary battle between these two candidates.
5: I have a rudimentary question about Ron DeSantis. We always are hearing, like, he's more authoritarian. Like, I can see when I hear him speak that he's smarter than Donald Trump. He can put together an English sentence without problem. But what has he done or said that he wants to do that lends everyone to believe he's extremely authoritarian?
3: Well, I mean, first of all, he you know, his whole thing is, like, he is constantly ruthlessly attacking the political left in America. He is one of the loudest voices that decry Democrats as sort of pawn scum. that he, he, he attacks the woke movement at every moment he can. This is a guy who makes no even slight effort to try to reach across the aisle or do anything in any kind of diplomatic or magnanimous manner. And if you recall, Monty, you may be too young because you're just like just out of college. But like (laughs) like, usually, usually presidential candidates are actually somewhat sort of genteel and 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 courteous of their opponents. Ron DeSantis is cut from this 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 Trumpian mold of absolutism. He's he's virtually absolutely against abortion, although he's Again, he's smart. Where he has always said he is 100% pro-life in every way, anti-choice in every way. But now, with his back's against the wall, he's kind of playing with the 15-week, nine-week. Like, at what point can an abortion happen? Um, he's he's doing that. Um, but you know, on on any kind of social issue, he's he's absolutely Trumpy. He's very. Uh, he's all about building the wall. He's all about shutting down immigration entirely he's all about boosting our military uh even more even though it's it's catastrophically highly funded already but just across the board on virtually every issue this is a guy who is absolute far right on virtually every position
1: yeah we should add to that that when it came to the florida schools And teachers wanting to teach – there was this thing called slavery in the United States and maybe it should be part of our history. And he was – no, no, no. That's not our history. That's critical race theory and we won't have anything like that in Florida schools. He was really adamant about that. He's also adamant – I believe he's been adamant on his anti-LGBTQ.
5: Right. The one big story that I think has materialized in the national consciousness is the relationship between Ron DeSantis and Disney World which is you know, taking away their preferred tax status because Disney World opposed the bill that he was for, which is the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill.
1: Right, which passed the Florida legislature and which he was an uh, adamant proponent of. Uh, and as you point out, Josh, his position on abortion, well, he's just waffling a little bit now because the Supreme Court has returned the question of abortion to the states. And in Florida, there is a law... That prohibits abortion after 15 weeks, uh, a law that was very similar to the law that the Supreme Court theoretically was ruling on before it, without any necessity, decided to abolish Roe v. Wade in order to reach the decision in the Mississippi case. So that said, uh, the bigger question I have for you is, is this a position, are these positions that would win the Electoral College in a race against the Democrat, in a race against Joe Biden. In short, yes.
3: And the and the reason is, and 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 just if I can tick off a few other things, uh, you know, this is also DeSantis is decidedly anti small D democracy. I mean, he signed legislation that created a new security office to investigate allegations of voter fraud a bill that would uh, include fines up to $50,000 for failing to submit voter registration forms within two weeks. This is a guy who, as you recall, when felons were afforded the right to reinstate the vote after a certain amount of time in Florida, and it was passed by this massive ballot initiative campaign, it was it was uh, DeSantis who actually signed legislation that, that forced those felons to repay financial obligations before their rights are restored, basically reversing it. Um, he, he signed and promoted and signed a whole raft of voting restrictions last year in 2021, including limits on mail-in ballot uh, voting, new requirements on voter registration. He's one of the guys who was behind the thing that said you can't give food and water to people waiting in line to vote. Um, he, he was the lead proponent of this heavy, heavy gerrymander In Florida, right when the when the Republican legislature in Florida presented a reasonable map um, by 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 today's standards, he was like that's not extreme enough, and he vetoed it and and enforced an even more radical one. So, I mean, this guy is out of hand. But to answer your question, when you've got gas pushing five dollars a gallon, when you've got inflation around nine percent, when when the president, the Democratic president, has an approval rating between thirty three and thirty nine percent depending on which poll you're looking at keeping in mind that's like just about as, about as low as
1: it's about as low as it can get except for, the, except for the volume due to our inter- <laughs> internet connection. Josh are you back with us? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So Did you lose me? Just yeah, for a one second.
2: second. So,
3: yeah so bottom line is he's a massive threat to the Democrats in November. If Ron DeSantis is nominated by the Republicans I have serious doubts that Democrats can beat him.
1: Okay. On that pessimistic note, we'll leave it for a second, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back more Political Goal with Josh Silver after this.
4: Sunday mornings on WHMP means Polka, Polka Carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning Polka Carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the Polka Classics and the latest Polka Hits. There are Polka Hits?
5: Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care.
4: It's Polka Carousel, every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP.
6: I'm Missy Tetro Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Jessica Eau Claire. Did you know you can start your pre-qualification or mortgage application online? Head on over to our new website at bestlocalbank.com and apply today. Or, if you prefer, come see us in person at one of our Hampshire or Franklin County locations. Right now, we're also giving you the opportunity to save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. That's right. You get $750 plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you for a mortgage. It's the best local mortgage from the best local bank. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Missy Tatro. Or me, Jessica O'Claire, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th. Be a new first mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC. Member DIF. You can
7: count on your friends at the co-op.
6: Is there corn chowder today? There are things
4: they only make certain times of year at Paul and Elizabeth's Restaurant. And with the corn so tall, there might be corn chowder today. There might be blueberry pie. The kitchen garden farm in Sunderland might arrive at Paul and Elizabeth's today with eggplant or zucchini. What'll they make with those? Eating at Paul and Elizabeth's isn't exactly like eating out of your own garden, but it's close. Paul and Elizabeth's Restaurant, Inside Thorns in Northampton.
8: Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov and click on Vaccine Clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer, and Moderna vaccines, and in special situations, Johnson. And Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages five and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19 and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue our conversation with Josh Silver. I'd like to return to the question, the issue, and the importance of the January 6th uh, hearings, committee hearings. There will be a hearing this evening. Uh, It is under wraps what is going to happen, but given that it's prime time on many networks, it seems that this is expected to be, at least from the uh, January 6th committee's perspective, a, an important event. What do you expect, Josh?
3: Well, hey, as usual, we're going to be breaking the biggest news on WHMP. We do know the topic. The topic's going to be the 187 minutes that Donald Trump uh, was in the White House, was made aware that there was violence occurring at the Capitol, That that the U.S. Congress and the vice president were under direct physical attack and threat and he sat on his hands and opted to do nothing and what they've managed to do and it's it actually sounds like it's it's going to be done relatively well once again thanks to this abc news producer who's producing this um they're gonna they're gonna chronicle exactly what happened minute by minute and they have a few interesting elements to it they've got two people testifying who are white house staffers at reasonably high levels who were working inside the White House in the West Wing during the insurrection and are two people who quit on the spot when Donald Trump tweeted about Mike Pence during the insurrection and said, Mike Pence was not courageous enough and inferred that Mike Pence should pay the price. And these are two staffers who were watching what was going on from the inside they saw what transpired or some of it, just like just like uh, if you recall the staffer, Cassidy, um, I'm blanking her name who- Hutchinson. Who was in the, thank you, who who laid out sort of some of the details from inside, it's gonna be more of that. They are also gonna be playing some clips of Donald Trump where they, they got the outtakes from when he was forced essentially to cut a video, a short video statement to the, his supporters up at, at the Capitol, the insurrectionists, asking them to stand down and apparently in these outtakes you can see him being asked to say certain things and he's like no i'm not saying that no i'm not saying that cut we're not doing that like so they got all these outtakes that are going to be also damning for trump as well so you know like guys this is going to be fascinating political theater DeSantis is rising. But, you know, the the, the the elephant in the room here is that on one hand, for the, anybody who supports small-D democracy, it is exhilarating to watch the possible final downfall of this most dangerous president in our nation's history, but yet knowing that a much more dangerous creature lurks just, uh, you know, south of the Georgia border in Florida. So, you know, what do, you, what do we make of that? I don't know.
1: What do you make of the to texts or emails from the Secret Service that have just disappeared. Monty will uh, will co- uh, corroborate that my uh, technology, and <laughs> the technological prowess is somewhat suspect. <laughs> but I believed up until, well, yesterday, that once something electronic like that exists, it can't be made to vanish. And somehow those have vanished. And these are really important because it's what's going on, uh, again, during these uh, three hours where Trump is doing nothing to stop the insurrection what do you, you yeah your thoughts right
3: bill yeah I mean first of all first of all for, for for the audience if anybody doesn't know when we're not on the air the, Monty often utters words similar to what Jerry Seinfeld said <laughs> when you'd say hello Newman Newman <laughs> he remembers that when it comes to bill and technology, it's the it's the bane of Monty's existence, but we'll, we, won't, we won't go there. Right now. Yes, let's try to um, move
1: on to the point, if we could.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Notice so, how I didn't so, pile
1: on uh, at all. Yeah, you were very good. Thank, 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 thank you for your restraint, you, Monty. It,
3: okay, okay. So, no, the, the, the fact is, is if those texts are gone, Bill, they're gone. And, yes, it's a big deal. It's a BFD that that, that the Secret Service would delete these. But, as you know, as a lawyer, like, what do you – like? There's limits to what they're going to be able to do in hindsight if those texts are actually scrubbed, which they may well be. So it is it is a scandal, and you can be certain that there would be tremendous evidence gleaned from it, but I don't expect that they're going to magically reappear.
5: It's chilling that the Secret Service would have a dedication to a sitting president rather than to the nation in this way, in my opinion. You would think that they would hold on to these records as people who are employed by
3: the people of the United States yeah I mean the, the the really interesting thing is so on one hand you know that the Secret Service has sort of you know xenophobic misogynist racist people within their ranks right any kind of any entity like big agency is going to but the, the idea that someone with real authority and power sufficient to be able to scrub servers say would share that sentiment you know this this gets into the whole you know idea of like you know our country was headed towards a actual political coup back in 2020 right now the architects of those that that coup steve bannon donald trump who did it in a ham-handed way they're actually doing it in a much much more sophisticated way now um that we know through you know bannon's precinct strategy making sure that their allies are elected to the governor's mansions and to dominant state legislative positions in states across the country. You've got the ruling, which I think we discussed on the last show out of North Carolina, where the Supreme Court is very likely going to give state legislatures absolute control over the electors in the presidential election in 2024, further reinforcing this, what used to be considered sort of a a far-fetched, theory has now become reality. Now, yesterday, there was a bill introduced in yeah, the let U.S. Me interrupt, Congress.
1: Let me interrupt just there for a second, Josh, just so our listeners understand. This is a case that will go before the Supreme Court at the beginning of the next term, and the issue is whether the state legislature can have absolute authority over the electors, over the decisions with regard to federal elections as well as state elections, and no state court no state court can interfere or have any jurisdiction to stop this absolute politicalization of votes so that the votes need not be counted. They only need to be designated by the Republican-controlled, really Trump-controlled, Trumpism-controlled legislature. It is the most dangerous case to come before the Supreme Court, bar none, in the last decade, and that includes all the horrible cases from this term. Anyway, I interrupted, Josh.
3: First, Bill, and, and I don't want to leave the show on a sour note, so I want to leave today's show on a, on a high note, which is uh, yesterday legislation was introduced um, by a bipartisan, two bills actually, on, on election reform that has 59 senators. If they're one senator short, and I think they'll get it from Senator Toomey. That's my hunch. And we could actually see legislation passed that would, make it explicit that the vice president only has a ceremonial role in certifying election results. So that would take that off the table. This actually happened in the Congress yesterday. It's it's kind of stunning. This was people like uh, Susan Collins out of Maine, uh, Ben Sass out of Nebraska, our favorite Senator Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinem, all these sort of moderates got together realizing that, well, maybe maybe there's something we could do to prevent a, a civil war in this country, so we should do that. Um, and, and this would also uh, deal with handling of election results in presidential transitions to mail-in ballots, um, election record security, threats against election workers. So this is really encouraging. Now, the, the one dark side of this is that while this bill has a very good chance of passing, it is also just equally good chance that this radical extreme Supreme Court is going to find that provisions of this new law that is likely to pass over the next couple of weeks. Sorry about that sound in the background, that that's going to be deemed unconstitutional by, by the Supreme Court.
1: And that's what passes for optimism <laughs> here in America. As, as Josh Silver <laughs> broadcasts from a secure
5: undisclosed location in another country.
1: <laughs> We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Josh, for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks.
9: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. President Joe Biden has announced modest new steps to combat climate change and promised more robust action to come. During a speech at a former coal-powered plant in Somerset, Biden said he would use his executive powers to turn concern about a climate emergency into formal official government actions.
2: Let's clear the way. Let's clear the way for clean energy and connect these projects to the grid. I've directed my administration to clear every federal hurdle and streamline federal permitting that brings these clean energy projects online.
9: The president stopped short Wednesday of issuing a formal declaration of a climate emergency. It's been four months since South Hadley Superintendent Jamal Mosley disappeared from the district and was put on paid leave. The Daily Hampshire Gazette is reporting there could be possible litigation coming for the district after they've reviewed a large volume of documents pertaining to Mosley that were requested by an employment lawyer. In recent months, the school committee has met twice in closed-door sessions to discuss strategy with respect to litigation. In a big win for Citizens' Initiatives, the Greenfield City Council passed a zoning ordinance amendment last night that reduces the maximum size of outdoor marijuana growth facilities. This size was reduced from a Tier 11 of 100,000 square feet to Tier 1 of 5,000 square feet. This comes after citizens of Greenfield came together to speak out against marijuana growth facilities in Greenfield, particularly a project plan for Country Club Road.
4: Hot and humid mixture of sun and clouds today. Watch out for scattered showers and thunderstorms. Strong to severe could be here as early as late morning through the afternoon. A high of 92 to 96. Lingering evening storm possible, then clearing and breezy tonight. Overnight lows 62 to 68. Partly to mostly sunny, breezy, less humid tomorrow. A high in the low 90s. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis. 101.5 WHMP.
9: This news minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
7: Yo soy Johan Rashi con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El alcalde de Holyoke, Joshua García, envió un comunicado público el martes recordando a los residentes de la ciudad que es de todos la responsabilidad compartida de mantener la ciudad limpia, no solo porque así lo exigen las leyes de la ciudad, sino porque es lo correcto para los demás y para el medio ambiente. Eso significa asegurarse de que las áreas que ocupa o posee estén libres de basura, escombros y crecimiento excesivo de vegetación, incluso en áreas comunes como aceras adyacentes, franjas de césped, derechos de paso hasta el bosque desde la superficie de la vía de circulación vehicular de cualquier calle pública y la mitad del callejón. García señaló que los callejones no son propiedad ni están mantenidos por la ciudad y son responsabilidad de los propietarios. De igual forma, si ocupa o posee un espacio junto a una rejilla de alcantarillado, hay que asegurarse de que esté libre y despejada de basura y escombros para que las aguas pluviales puedan fluir correctamente y evitar inundaciones. En su comunicado, el alcalde compartió la ordenanza de la ciudad que requiere que los propietarios mantengan sus áreas limpias, agregando que la ciudad está fortaleciendo sus departamentos para prepararse para la aplicación adecuada, lo que incluirá multas para cualquier persona que no mantenga sus áreas. En otras informaciones, los trabajos de pavimentación y asfaltado en el área sur de Holyoke continúan este miércoles, según informó el martes un comunicado del alcalde Joshua García. Este miércoles la pavimentación será en Sargent Street desde South Canal hasta Main Street. Las calles Clemente y Southeast desde Sargent hasta Cabot Street y Southeast desde Sargent hasta Crescent Street. El trabajo comienza a las 6.30 de la mañana y continuará durante todo el día. Estas calles estarán cerradas al tránsito vehicular y se prohibirá el estacionamiento en las mismas. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
9: This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
7: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We do have a f- bit of a fish wrap for you today. Today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish wrap. I was struck, Monty, by something that Josh Silver said that reflects in part, um, I-, I think, this uh, quaint idea that uh, democracy somehow uh, really is alive in... Uh, in the United States. Um, and it, what he was talking about in terms of voter suppression, uh, gerrymandering, and all the other democracy killing, not counting the votes, um, getting rid of uh, drop boxes, um, making sure that people can't have to stand in line in the uh, 90 and 100 degrees sun for hours and hours before they can vote, eliminating early voting, uh, making sure that people can't get on the ballot. Uh, disenfranchising persons who have been uh, in in trouble with the law at various parts of their life, and and on and on and on, all the things that essentially are fixing elections, that is destroying elections, by having the results fixed before the votes are counted. And there was an article in, and it didn't even make the front page, I think it was about page 18 or 20 of the New York Times today, having to do with the census. I don't even know how to begin to describe this. Somehow this is news that the census was being manipulated by the Trump administration so as to ensure more Republican seats in the House of Representatives. And this was the story, this is the story of uh, putting on an immigration status question on the census, which people may recall was a pretty big deal when this fight occurred, Uh, pretty late in the Trump administration. There are now explicit emails and memos saying, we really want this question because it will really discourage people from answering the census. And therefore, immigrants will not be counted Immigrants live, uh, there are more immigrants in blue states, and this will further skew the Congress so that we can win elections, not because we won them fairly or that people are being represented appropriately or that the census numbers are accurate. None of that. We'll get rid of all of those foundational pieces of democracy and we'll skew the census and we can get more seats and we can further entrench this minority party as the majority ruling party in the United States. Quite extraordinary. And to me, for this Wrap segment, just indescribable that this isn't even really big news. It's barely mentioned. And so I thought we'd mention it. So I think Josh Silver is, I think, if anything, kind of uh, moderate and modulated in his discussion about the dangers to democracy. uh, But
5: again, doesn't... Prohibit him, uh, preclude him from having <laughs> property in another country where he happened to be broadcasting from. <laughs> That's his exit strategy from,
1: from from a secure from a secure location. Yes. So I, I thought that was really really quite something. Um, the other uh, stories that I think that we really need to uh, focus on today, and I was, I was struck because there was it was a lead story on the PBS News Hour last night, uh, the weather. And the weather more specifically because of its reflection on global climate change and and global warming. And yesterday, the Biden administration, and Joe Biden specifically, uh, announced some executive actions to try to mitigate climate change. That said, it's nothing compared to the legislation that was just killed in the United States Congress by Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Manchin, of course, is essentially beholden to the coal interests in his state. He is a multimillionaire many times over because of his uh, investments in coal. And big surprise, he's not in favor of investments in alternative energy sources.
5: Which it was interesting that President Biden chose to go to a former coal plant in Massachusetts yesterday that has been converted into making long-distance underwater cables to transmit electricity from offshore wind projects. It felt to me like he was throwing some much-needed shade, as they say, on a very hot day to Joe Manchin specifically doing it at a coal plant. I mean, it would have been more effective, I think, doing it at a coal plant maybe that had been converted in West Virginia. However, in very blue Massachusetts and uh, off in Somerset, Mass., doing it there, I think, sent a message. It was a message I read into it, at least.
1: So l- let me go back to the political question. Uh, your family, Monty's is kind of a representative uh, part of the country, I think. Well, you, you, uh, your parents
5: are. Well, uh, yes. If you include my uncles, <laughs> yes, then they are more representative of the whole country. I've converted my parents largely to a more progressive mindset, but I've had to work very hard to do so.
1: Okay, but then, let's, let's, <laughs> let's bring let's bring the uncles into this. Okay, yes. Uh, so, uh, do they? care at all about climate change? Is it an issue? Does this weather make them think? I understand, now one single weather event can be attributed to global climate change, and on and on and on and all that. But in fact, it is the immediacy of this heat wave that I think is really quite uh, extraordinary and that I think makes it real. It's, it's, somehow, global climate change just doesn't resonate. I'm, Having to walk outside in 105 degrees, that gets your attention.
5: I think it does, but it's not a good way to get somebody's attention. In the same way that, you know, there'll be senators in Washington, D.C. that are voting on climate legislation in January, and they will bring a snowball in to demonstrate, see, it's cold still, and I don't think it works either way on either side of the aisle. I think it's really raw data and things about, you know, sea levels rising and ice caps melting that are really going to make the difference. However... It has not had a direct impact on any of their lives right now. Most of my conservative uncles, shocker, are snowbirds and live in Florida during the cold uh, months of the year. So when Florida inevitably (laughs) goes away and if their property is being encroached upon by the ocean because of climate change, maybe then they'll change their tune a little bit about it. But. I don't know if it will, because it doesn't directly impact them yet. Even though it's hot today, it won't be hot forever, and they'll be able to forget about it. What's the most telling to me about what you might think of as your average American in regards to this is talk to farmers. Talk to farmers in our valley. And across the board, I have not talked to one who said that if they've—especially if they've been farming for decades, that the climate— hasn't changed in their lifetime. They know the seasons. They know the timing of when things are supposed to come in. They know that there have been droughts and heavy rains before, but they know year to year that these things are getting more and more intense. Most people aren't farmers. So how do you reach the people in middle America who it is not affecting their day-to-day life? You know, tornadoes have been happening for centuries. Maybe they are happening more intensely, but n- not. there has not been that one aha moment that has changed the mindset of americans yet and will it come before it's too late i don't know
1: well i think josh silver has a point which is that inflation gas prices and all that simply push considerations of global climate change global warming off the front page even the democrats are saying out
5: of people's consciousness drill 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 right now because they want gas prices to come down it is a strange irony
1: it's a strange irony, but it's a frightening, frightening development, which is when Biden took office, if you had a poll, and there were polls, is climate change a really important topic to you? The polls were overwhelming. It, it, that issue was front and center in the consciousness of the people in this country. And what, 18 months later? It's not. It's just not. It's
5: the economy, stupid is what it comes down to. It's always that in the first and foremost in the minds of most voters, in my opinion. And I mean, it worked for Bill Clinton. Uh, It does not seem to be the main focus of Joe Biden. Maybe it shouldn't be. I personally think climate change is much more of an issue than inflation is, but.
1: Well, climate change we could address with legislation. Inflation is something that's going to have to work its way through the system. Uh, the administration does not control the Federal Reserve, which is raising interest rates. It
5: can pressure the <laughs> Federal Reserve,
1: but they're late. They're late to this party. I mean, once inflation starts, it is a long process to unwind it, as uh, Jimmy Carter found out uh, to his uh, detriment, um, to his political detriment. And there are some things that are, in some ways, beyond beyond biden's control he
5: does not control gas prices he does
1: not control uh wheat prices and he doesn't control completely by any stretch of the imagination exports from ukraine and there is a war going on oh by the way there is a war people are dying day after day civilians are dying uh non-combatants are dying and that's not even on the front page anymore I, i i took a quick look through the gazette while we were here to see if there was a story on the ukraine today maybe it's there but It's not prominent, that's for sure, if it is there at all. And that's true. I mean, you could go through newscasts and newspapers across the country today and not know if you just sort of were planted down, uh, having been away for the last three years and been somehow, I don't know, visiting outer space. Well, there's an idea. Um, That there was a massive, deadly war going on in Ukraine with Russia. You just wouldn't know it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more after this.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
6: Dinner tonight starts with a tap. Tap the Local Hero Guide on the CESA website and find farm fresh food close to where you are. There are so many farms and farm stands just minutes away. Look for the bright yellow Local Hero label in stores and restaurants. Local Hero Food, the beauty and the bounty of our fertile River Valley farmlands on your dinner table tonight. The Local Hero Guide is at the CESA website, buylocalfood.org.
4: Lundgren Honda, experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle.
2: All that
5: and the best selection, the most pre-owned vehicles you'll find anywhere in Franklin County and beyond. Over 100 to choose from, including five Honda Civics in stock, five HRVs, five CRVs, and over over 20 half and three quarter ton pickup trucks in stock and ready to roll. Lundgren Honda is constantly loading up on inventory. So experience it. The best selection of new and used vehicles in the tri-state region for the best price you'll find anywhere
4: consumer satisfaction award winners two years running lundgren honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience see the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 federal street and lundgren honda of greenfield.com lundgren honda of greenfield experience it
3: This is from Chile, from the winery Bouchon, and it's called Pais
5: Salvaje. It's got like a guy on a ladder in the front.
9: Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. The ladder is representing how they harvest this
3: wine. So Pais, uh, sometimes referred to as the mission grape because it was planted all over Central and South America by Spanish missionaries. Additionally, it mutated into like a climbing vine. So it climbs up the trees on the (laughs) backside of the vineyards. uh, And they needed ladder
0: that were up to 15 feet tall to harvest it.
6: The País Salvaje. People who like natural wines or low intervention wines, like they do nothing to these things. They're just grown in the backyard um, and they use these giant ladders to, to get yeah.
1: an
5: interesting experience that you probably haven't had with these wild
3: grapes grown tall. If you're in a rut, if uh, you've only
1: been drinking Chardonnay
3: and Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio, maybe we've made you branch out.
9: Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP. What is the matter with Montgomery Ward, anyway? I ordered a 32-volt electric churn, and what do I get? A lawnmower. Now, what can a fellow with a lot of cream do with a lawnmower?
5: This Saturday, the Shea Theater presents Dear Mr. Ward, a staged reading of a collection of letters sent to the Complaints Department of the Montgomery Ward catalog curated by the grandson of the person who fielded these letters, Verna Gregg, Evan Gregg from Turner's Falls.
0: My grandmother started working in the St. Paul catalog office of Montgomery Ward in 1932 when she graduated from high school. She quickly went from being a typist to being a correspondent, which meant that she took the letters that were sent as complaints and wrong orders and things like that, and she would dictator response into an ediphone, an Edison dictaphone, and then they would be typed up and sent back to the person. And it was complaints, it was returns, it was a lot of random requests for things that don't exist. (laughs) Pretty much any you can think of the rural person in the 1930s would write to Montgomery Ward for. Dear Montgomery Ward and Company, I must drop you a few lines to let you know that I am looking for a housekeeper, a girl or a wife to married. I must get married. Please send me that lady in dress that you wrote to me about. Please be so kind and send her name to please let me know in two or three days. P.S. So please let me know in two or three days. I'll be looking for a letter from a wife. I must get married. I cannot be without a wife.
5: Evan Gregg from Turner's Falls. What is Montgomery Ward for people who might oh, yeah. not know?
0: I, I didn't know, really know them when I was a kid either because I, you know, I was a Sears family. So. Oh, yeah, I had
5: a Sears catalog too. Exactly. Circling so, Mon-
0: all the presents that you want for Christmas in it, etc. Exactly. Uh, the Montgomery Ward was actually the first mail order catalog. started in... Uh, 1870-something. He focused on the rural parts of the country, trying to bring stuff to them that they couldn't get from their local stores.
5: When I hear the name Montgomery Ward. I didn't, I thought it might be two people or like a firm or something like that. But it, There was an actual Montgomery Ward.
0: Aaron Montgomery Ward. And he was very well known. He was, he'd been dead for quite a while by the time his letters were written, but everybody knew his name because it was inside every, every catalog. They did write thinking he was going to answer it.
5: The letters themselves are just, they're fascinating snapshots into the human psyche. And to me, Hearing the letters that I've read or that you've read to me, it's not overly different. The same kind of mentalities and issues that we deal with today. Now we go on social media and launch off a post, but some of these feel like they're written with that same sense of urgency that you would at a late night Facebook post that you took umbrage with.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I consider these letters really people reaching out to Montgomery Ward. It's not really just about complaints. It's also they're living. These are almost all from very rural places in the Midwest during and immediately after the Great Depression. So there's a lot of angst and loneliness in them. But a lot of them, there's a lot of wisdom in there too. And there's a lot of, some of them are actually very brilliant. Some that are really touching in terms of reaching out to somebody and looking for a human connection and Mm. just kind of coming from a dark place. But they're still funny. And I think she definitely selected the ones that both had historical significance in some way, but also had human emotion and, but also we're funny. Dear sirs, may I make a complaint? may I also say I am speaking for 89,734,612 red-blooded Americans. This thing has been on my mind for years, but because I'm a very tolerant man, I have been able to hold this thing back until this minute. Here is a scratchy problem. It seems that the paper in your general catalog is getting harder, stiffer, glossier, more polished and less absorbent in every issue that you put out. Why is this? Are you trying to make the American people grouchier from year to year? If you only knew to what use, 99.44% in parentheses, 101% in the country of your catalogs are put to after their intended usefulness has been achieved. You wouldn't blame me for finding fault. Did It ever occur to you that you might be able to avert a major civil or even an international war by working on a more tissue-like paper in their catalogs. Why can't your catalog serve two useful pleasant purposes? You would get many more orders if people, especially the country people, didn't have to work themselves into a rage about once every day. Do you think a grouchy man will order as much from you as he would if you weren't so cruel?
5: <laughs> because you didn't get it from the, the, the particular letter. They had a multi-purpose use. Yes. About ordering things that you may need in the country and also toilet paper.
0: Yes. And some people did not like using toilet paper. They like to stay in their own ways. And there's quite a few letters complaining about the quality of the paper, which (laughs) was actually done to keep up with Sears because there was a back and forth between Sears and Montgomery Ward for basically a hundred years. At one point, around the 30s, they switched over the type of paper to be glossier and look fancier without considering the secondary usage of those pages.
5: (laughs) Evan Gregg from Turner's Falls, who will be presenting letters that he's collected into the book, Dear Mr. Ward. These letters will be read in a staged reading by actors from Eggtooth Productions this Saturday at The
3: Shea.
1: Coming up next Wednesday, at the Wakeley Town Hall, Watermelon Wednesdays, we have the Dedicated Men of Zion, and with us, their leader of the group, Anthony Davis. Anthony, thanks so much for being with us. What are, or what is, the Dedicated Men of Zion, and how did it come about?
2: <laughs> uh, dedicated Men of Zion is group of young men. Um, we came about just a bunch of family, kind of family guys, friends. Came together you know just wanted to everybody had the same goal wanted to do this music thing and here we are
1: the music is about harmonies <laughs> yes tell us about that
2: yes yes yes. harmony very important thing in my family my family was um my mother that was traveling a gospel group and my mother was very 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 adamant very serious just harmony was what we did you talk in harmony we sing in harmony it's just a thing that we did every day. It's just kids be outside playing, my mother said it's time to come in, we gotta rehearse. And that's what I had to do.
1: Is this a musical your musical group, uh uh Dedicated Men of Zion? Why why that name?
2: Well, actually, um I don't know. <laughs> we we were we were in the studio one night and we it was another group we had that we were working with and we kinda of branched off from working with them and well, which all of us, just a couple of the guys went the other way and that fell apart. And we were like, well, we can't be the same name, we can't have the same name that we used to have. And so uh, we were sitting in the studio one night and we was just trying to, we didn't want to leave until we came up with a name and we just just came up with a dedicated men of Zion. We were all dedicated to the mission. We were all men. <laughs> and so, you know, I, that name just came and, and, it, and it stuck with us. I think that was like 2014, 2015.
1: You're on tour now. Where are you?
2: Um, actually, we're headed to um, Littleboro, Kentucky. Um, we're probably somewhere in West Virginia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me ask you this: In terms of the music you sing, are they is is it gospel based? Are they original uh, uh, compositions? What are they? Well, What's the music?
2: It's, it's, it's gospel based. Um, it's, it's called. We're. we're it's, it kind of titled "Sacred Soul Music" um, from the record label. That's that's the title that it was given, but it's yeah, it's kind of like gospel-based music, and it's, uh, with a with a little twist. But um, we um, it's it's music music for the soul. You know, that's, that's sacred soul music for the soul.
1: Well, this will be, the dedicated men of Zion will be at Waitley Town Hall, part of Watermelon Wednesday. Next Wednesday at 7.30, you can go to Watermelon Wednesdays to buy your tickets and to see this and hear this amazing group. Monty, can we play out some of their music? Let's do that. We thank you so very, very much. We can't wait to hear you at Waitley Town Hall. Sorry we had such a short session today, but we'll have the opportunity to hear more next Wednesday. Waitley Town Hall, Watermelon Wednesday, the dedicated men of Zion. Thank you so very much, Anthony. Really appreciate your time and really appreciate your music.
2: Thank you so much. We're looking forward to coming to see you. Uh
4: It's Gordon Oliver and I'm Tina Marie and we're popping in to get everyone excited about this week's the Cambridge Connection radio show.
6: Ooh, can't wait to hear who we're speaking with next.
4: And before we share this week's guests, I want to remind everyone that we're here on WHMP every Saturday morning at 930 a.m. to help you, our listeners, navigate life's options, especially when it comes to financial wellness and empowerment.
9: Let's not forget about all the success stories, too.
4: Okay, Tina Marie, you ready? Ready. Listen in this Saturday to learn more about Upsolve, a free online bankruptcy filing tool, because bankruptcy is a big decision.
1: Dear Massachusetts, marijuana is now legal for adult use. Keep your kids and pets safe by keeping all cannabis products in child-resistant packaging.
5: Store your cannabis in a lockbox out of sight and out of reach from your children and teach them that cannabis and alcohol are for adults only and that prescription medications are only meant for the person they are prescribed for. Brought to you by the Northampton Prevention Coalition, working together
4: to protect the developing brain. NorthamptonPrevents.org. The only live and local talk in the valley and for the valley WHMP Northampton WHMQ Greenfield a Northampton radio group station.
9: It's 10 o'clock